The Long Riders have just released September November. Reeling from the death of bass player Tom Stevens, the band plays on. Watch as we learn that the band not only draws from the birds and the velvets, but now they are each other's biggest influences. Have you seen the twilight turning today? And here's the okay. vinyl. <laughs> it's a gatefold good. sleeve. I know this is old news to you, Greg, but it's a gatefold sleeve. And the, like as in olden days, the lyrics are on the uh, the album. Whoops, right. How am I doing? Counterintuitive, isn't it? Good night, guys. <laughs> what, one real quick, one little touch I love. I don't know if you can see this. Is the label is our own label. It's got. A oh, really that's cool. cool. So anyway, that's the vinyl. All right, I got some old vinyl here. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> those are all take those photos. Uh, the the black and white one, ten five sixty, was taken in 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 Los Angeles, north of Los Angeles, out out in the country there right and, and then the state of our union that photo is from out in the in the the woods outside of london so ah. yeah and that was a kind of a dust dust storm day if i recall so. <laughs> a dust storm day so let's talk about the record september november why is it called that that's start out with the obviously Great title <laughs> Well, I'll tell you. So that's a song that's the, the the. There's a song on the record. The right first track, track. right called September, uh, November sometime. It's one of the first songs Sid played for us, and we recorded. We've do, been doing it live, and it's it's great. I mean, it's an exciting song, and I'll let Sid tell you a little more about about the actual song. But when we were thinking about titles. You know, there's some of the themes on this record. I don't know how deliberate it was. You got to ask the songwriters. I, I'm a drummer, but it, <laughs> it felt like we were kind of not reminiscing. Look, just looking a little bit in the in the rearview mirror about things we'd done together and and people that might not be around anymore. You know, some of it natural causes, some of it not yeah. so natural. Uh, but it just kind of fell together. And and really, with this record. Uh, the one before we always kind of called it a love letter to each other because we hadn't made a record in a long time, 30, 30 years. Right. So it was sort of like, yep. hey, falling back in love again as a band. And then this record, <laughs> Sid came to us. I'm telling, um, at least this is my recollection. Sid came to us and said, we want we want to put a record together that kind of showcases all the influences that we had individually and then we came together as the long riders and that's country music and and rock and roll and blues and folk and uh, some classical things and just all the things and I, i'll leave it to sid to tell you but so that all came together and then the title september november it was a little shorter the title than the thing but it just felt like we're not in the winter of our lives at career we're certainly in the fall. We're not in the summer. It just had a little vibe to it. Kind of, you know, it just, it's not even melancholy. I think it's right. thought, it's reflective and thoughtful of where we are today and grateful. September, November, sometime. The crack fell so softly, we can. The seven guns on one long hot plan. My band of fools is riding against time. Riding against the sea of hoes. While we're in black, the dead. I think that's Greg nailed it. I don't really have a lot to add. That September, November, it's, uh, Sinatra had that album, uh, the September of my years, because he that's was right. I think fifty-two 
or 54 when he recorded it. And he wasn't this young guy that the Bobby Soxers are screaming at anymore. And Greg's quite right. It's time to own up to uh, the maturity of the band. I mean, you know, eventually the, the Fab Four had to stop being mop tops and they made Rubber Soul and Revolver. And this is a little further down the line than that. But I think Greg's answer is actually bang on target. September, oh. November's Real good title for a band that's still alive and kicking, but is you know seen yep. a lot, seen a lot through the years. That's you know that's true. They I, somebody once I told him here because I I mentioned to you a little bit earlier, Marty, that I, I said uh, you know I'd worked here for a long time I'm in Chapel Music, and I said to somebody who'd been here longer than me, I said a woman, I said you know Pat, I feel like I've seen it all here, and she said I haven't seen it all, but I've seen enough. Right. And, <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. That's nice. <laughs> so it's reflective, but we've seen some shit, Marty. Uh, I'm uh, sure you have. <laughs> and you know, the mistake to remain positive and optimistic despite uh, that's why I love Sid's song, song for Ukraine. It's one of my favorites on the record. Not right. just short, but I I, re I really like it. But he, he wrote it, and then Stephen helped him play it. I'm not on it. Any, I sat there with my jaw kind of on the floor and watched him make that make that song. Yep. But to me, it, it's sort of, it's really a kind of a theme for what was going on, certainly in Ukraine, but just generally. And that's not, it's a very melancholy kind of melody, but somehow in the middle of that song, I feel a little bit optimistic and I'm not sure why, but it's, yeah. it's just those mix of emotions and it comes through in a real short blast. But it's a, I think it's a beautiful song. Yeah. 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 I like a little, there's a little kind of nod to dancing in the street and the lyrics in there too, isn't there? Oh, in, uh, in September, November there is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so often Ukraine's instrumental. So I don't right. know, maybe, yep. maybe sing, sing some words in his head, but right and, but it, i think that song is beautiful i like that little tip of the hat too to dance in the street yeah that's cool and you got some fiddle that's playing that's on great. both of those tracks that uh same woman yeah i figured so. the same woman a, a lady named Karenza peacock who was in a bluegrass band with me she's uh beyond talented but bizarrely she used to live near me and now she lives near greg she's works for <laughs> disney a lot of the time on right. soundtracks and sessions she's freelance but her main paycheck is walt disney Gotcha. All right. She's, well, got a box our, she's, she's a little bit more resourceful, but she's kind of our Scarlet Rivera. Oh, yeah. Watching the, uh, you know, that Rolling Thunder Scorsese thing that he did on Dylan and Scarlet's in it a lot. And she's fairly enigmatic and now gone. I, I mean, she didn't live a super long time. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> But she was trippy, and Carenza is she's a weirdo, man. That's a high compliment for me. You know, she's incredibly musical, probably better than all of us, but she just kind of tucks in and then poof, she's gone. And she shows up for, and plays on these records, and then we maybe we play with their lives sometimes, maybe we don't. But right. I think she's a little mysterious. I like her a lot, and <laughs> she made the record better. Right, right, right. Very good. So, what was the so how did you guys put this record together? Because you're all over the place. And sadly, you know, your your bass player is no longer with, with us, uh, which obviously is a major deal for you guys because you've been together for so freaking long. So what was the mood like? What what was the working process like for you? Well, one, one thing is uh, I was going through the tracks earlier today, and there's three songs left over from the sessions that are terrific. We recorded... Oh, <laughs> too much material and we even had a fourth song of mine another instrumental that i said well you know we're, we're working poor ed stacy into to the bone right so uh, 
it was an, I'm slightly not answering your question, but it was an incredible. Right. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> there, there's three songs in the can from this session alone that are finished, done, dusted, mastered, you know, mixed yep. the whole thing. And uh, I mean, it, I just, it was the most fruitful time we, we toyed with again, not directly answering your question. We toyed with making a double album yeah. and I cherry read the label and they said, no, that's tough these days to sell. Sure. So here we are, but, uh, Man, it was fruitful. I mean, it was, you know. The, the, the kind of nuts and bolts of it, Marty, was tip the way we've worked on the last record in this one, with and without Tom, was the guys uh, would put songs together and, and do a little bit of collaborating. They, in this era where you could swap song files back and forth, on the last record, Tom and Sid worked together a little bit, and Sid and Steven, but like you said, since Tom has moved on to a bigger venue, it was just the three of us. So it kind of forced us to work together more than we maybe would typically. So Stephen and Sid did, they wrote a little bit together. Sometimes they just finished each other's thoughts and sentences. There'd be something in, you know, what rhymes with moon or June and they'd send right. it together. <laughs> and, and uh, but the ideas were there. And then I kind of, uh, I'm sort of Switzerland depending on the day of the week. So they said, and then because I am an A&R guy by trade, they sent it to me and we'd kind of sift through them and um, it's not as tricky. A&R is not as hard as people pretend to be. The good songs make themselves apparent pretty quickly, you know, they're yeah. for whatever reason. And then they sometimes will reveal another layer when you start to record them. We'll go in there and I'll have a plan in my mind, you know, kind of drummer. I was taught a long time ago, the drummer's not the coach, but on the field, he's the quarterback. You kind of sit back there and watch the play go. Sometimes there's an audible. And, you know, then I ask him the two most important questions any drummer will ask a band. Would you like this one to go too fast or would you like it to go too slow? That's about <laughs> all. And then, and, and, then, and yeah. then we dive in and then you, then you really see what it looks like. We used to play songs on the road for some time and bang them into shape, but that's not the kind of band we are anymore. So they really, they reveal themselves in the laboratory, so to speak. And, um, if we have too many of one thing, you know, that'll start to make it clear. And we try to make a couple that the kids can dance to, as we like to say, and then some that talk about what's really on our mind. Right. And, and, and though Tom was not with us, we had a guy named Murray Hammond play on some of the songs and he's on tour with us from the old 97s. Right. Solid guy, great guy. And, uh, you know, honorary long rider. Um, <laughs> but Stephen played bass and Sid played a bunch of different instruments everybody sang and so they just started to kind of come together uh and and then it got to be real clear what what this record needed to look like but i will say tom did cast his spell over it in, in a really positive way the first night we were playing i forget what we were cutting and i looked up and i, I felt him so strongly next to me marty and, and not in a frightening boo you know casper kind of way right it was there's there's tom you know right uh, one of our songs is called Tom Tom, and there's a line that he's uh, he's uh, he's he's over on the left side. He was always on my left side, which right. stayed right, you know, grooving on the left side in the engine room. And I felt I felt him strongly with us. I think Sid would agree that he he kind of floated to the sessions, and and it doesn't sound like he played on it, but it feels like a long writer's record. Especially the the final track is one that Tom wrote, right? Uh, flying out of London. The airport's like a ghost Got a big wing in the sky 
time to walk away from traveling Can't feel the years go by Yeah, now he wrote, he sings it. And uh, that was... Uh, I, I I noticed, you know, when he when he died and you hindsight's 2020 and he died, I was going through his solo albums and oh, my friend's gone. And I noticed there were some songs uh, that leapt out from his well, first off. Some of the songs had songs that the Longriders had toyed with and never ultimately recorded like uh, or released all the way through like 17 Ways, which finally came out in a box set. And uh, there's about three or four that uh, we demoed and then didn't put on an album. So besides those songs, there were some songs that, that of Tom's that leapt out as long writer-ish songs that you could see on a long writer's album had we cracked on with him and he was, he was still alive. So I made a list of like five or six, sent them to the guys, and they picked Flying Out of London in the Rain as a Tom song that we could do on the album. And the irony of their picking that is I'm not sure Greg, uh, Ed, and, and uh, Stephen McCarthy, our wonderful guitar player, knew that it was Tom's song about leaving the band back in 1987 when he realized he wasn't doing justice to his young and growing family by being right. away from home so long. Sure. So the, it's an irony and a wonderful irony at that, that the guys picked that song. So uh, it's a song by Tom Stevens on a Longriders album about the Longriders, and we wiped everything. I think Greg will be with me on this. We kept his daughter, Sarah Cathra's lovely, ah, high-pitched <laughs> vocals. We kept Tom's bass, and we kept Tom's lead vocal. And I think we replaced the, the rest of it. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, I was, was going to ask you if that was him playing the bass on that track. Yeah. Yes. Nope. There strong. was a drum uh, machine or loop or something on there. So I put I put live drums on it, and Sid played the mandolin, and Stephen played. They both played guitar, I think. And sang a little bit. so it was very moving to record. And Sid's right. I didn't really think about it too much other than, hey, I like this song. You know, he Sid gave us a few to choose from. And uh, so as usual, I'm sure Tom was upstairs, you know, steering us along, pulling the puppet strings. So it, it happened yep, yep. just about right. And then what we said earlier, that song, Tom, Tom, it's a, it's a nice story because we get to tell it now. We put it out right after he died or soon after. And you know, we, we tried to work during the pandemic. We made a couple of videos and, you know, from remotely, it was fun. Uh, but that song, I'm not really a songwriter and Sid, you don't have to agree because we know you agree, but anyway, <laughs> I'm a surprise. <laughs> it's just in. Yeah. But I woke up, I'd had, I had a dream about Tom and there was a piece of a lyric. It was really more a poem. And, and I sent it to Stephen and Sid, and then we just passed it around. And each guy wrote a different part. Sid wrote the bridge and, and incorporated some of Tom's uh, song titles, which was kind of fun. And Stephen wrote something, and then they, they put the music together. We recorded it remotely. Each guy right. was in a city. And um, it, it feels like it fits on the record nice, I think. It's a cool yeah, song. Right. Now you guys touched on the fact that you have something to say, and there's a you talked about the song for Ukraine, which is uh, instrumental, but you also have Elmer Gantry is alive and well, and that you know according to uh, the lyric there, uh, apparently the 21st century has already gone to hell, and it's only 2023. Gonna lose 
So do you worry about being politically outspoken in this day and time and era and dealing with fans on the road and all that stuff and having to kind of get into it with folks? Well, that's a good, good, good question. Uh, <laughs> you know, Dolly Parton won't say anything politically and Dolly Parton's trip is the moment I open my mouth, I could lose half my audience. Right. Uh, Michael Jordan famously didn't endorse Harvey Gantt for the United States Senate and allowed Jesse Helms to be reelected yet again. And Michael Jordan said, I'm for Harvey Gantt, but he, he waited till after the election to say so. And he said, my argument is Republicans buy shoes too. So there, well, you, asked, you asked a very good question, but uh, to be fair and not to dodge it, it's Stephen's song that he originally right. wanted me to sing. And, uh, it's certainly a sentiment that I would think any long writer, including late Tom Stevens, would agree with. It's one of Stevens' most bittersweet songs. And it was funny. I didn't really get get the hang of it until Stevens sang it in kind of imitation Sid Griffin voice in the studio. And then I kind of got what he wanted. I, I literally kind of didn't get it. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry to say that out loud, but I didn't get it. And then Ed had the genius idea of uh, – we Stephen and I sing line for line as a duet and then trade off at the at the chorus. And to me, that really made it come alive that the 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 uh, the point of Stephen's lyric, because I only crossed the T's and dotted a couple of I's. It's Stephen's song. Right. Uh, really, really came through when we did the lyric together in tandem, looking at each other on one mic. That was a, a great idea. Uh, yeah. I'll I'll tell you, because Stephen had come to Los Angeles and we did some demoing uh, together to put some things for Sid to listen to. And it was sort of a, the, the track we had in mind was, was a little bit like a Velvet Underground kind of rave up, you know, where it sort of drones in one place and, and you let the lyric and the performance really provide the dynamics, not because there's a bridge or this or that, even though there is a little bit. But anyway, um, we always had something to say lyrically. I think it was in the, in, it was that old, ah, youth, when we were just dumb kids, we said what was on our mind. And we had to answer for a lot because when we went to Europe in the 80s, it was Reagan oh, America. And yeah, it was Reagan America. And yep, we got yep. out a lot. That's and right. we had opinions. And, you know, it's, it's the opinions of young people, but we were always well read. We always cared about the world at large. So it wasn't like, we went off half cocked and we loved the clash as much as we loved the birds, yep. you know? So, so yeah. even when we made this record, though, it had like a velvet underground sort of musical bed, Sid and Steven delivering the vocal together. My mind was always kind of like that strummer Jones thing where they would kind of sing it, kind of shout it, but yep. they got the point across. And I think that we don't want to alienate people and, and make them feel bad at a show, but we do, we don't mind letting them know what side of the fence we sit on. You know, I mean, there's certain artists that I don't agree with their politics, but I might like their music, but sure. I don't think, I, I don't think we hide from our opinions. Right, right. Now you said something I, I'm kind of interested in. You, you mentioned how uh, Stephen was imitating you in the studio singing Sid. And uh, I'm wondering how common that is among bands that one guy, kind of, that you guys kind of, do I, I have a feeling the Beatles did that? 
Uh, <laughs> there was a song that Paul McCartney did called You Gave Me an Answer that sounds just like a John Lennon track. And and I'm wondering, in a band dynamic, is that are you influenced by each other? Do you kind of take on roles that the other ones have and stuff like that? I would say so, because Stephen was saying, uh, sing it like this. And I realized when he was singing, he was singing outside his normal uh, remit, where it right. was a lot gritty and all this stuff. And I thought, well, that's basically me. And so that when that came together, it was a, it was a great idea. But, I, but in answer, direct answer to your question, yes, I think uh, Stephen is a brilliant musician who's, who, well, that's not in dispute. That's right. everyone, anyone would say that, but who's, his songs have a lot of uh, melody and uh, a more McCartney-esque uh, flavor. And uh, someone was pointing out in Lennon's songs, they have a tendency to, to be uh, a repetitive melodic note with a, only a few key dips. Well, that would, that's kind of what I do. Right. <laughs> Imitating John Lennon or being primitive. So sometimes I want to uh, expand the net and have something more melodic. I, I literally would think, well, how would Stephen do this? So I think in answer to your question, there's no question. But then again, I, I, I've been mostly exposed to the other guys in this band other than a few bluegrass players. So of course you're going to be influenced by them. They're yep. the guys I've seen and heard play so often, so many times down through the years. I mean, sure, of course. Yeah. Actually, that is exactly it. You end up being each other's biggest influences. Uh, and it takes a long time for you to be comfortable to admit that because when you're kids, you're competing all the time, you know, in a good way. But it's like being on the same team. You want, you know, everybody yeah. wants the ball yeah. and everybody wants to shoot. And you know the other guy's good, but you kind of think you might be better, but maybe you're, and some <laughs> days you know you're not. So that's the, that's the push and pull of a band. And um, as, as you get older, you start to embrace it. When you start to hear people like Keith Richards and say, oh, how much he loved Charlie Watts or, yeah. or Partney or Harrison, you know, in making their solo records and they wouldn't have anybody but Ringo do it or George play guitar for. They all loved each other. Part of it yep. is familiarity. It's yep. your siblings. And part of it is you, you do know what each other is really good at or not so good at. Yeah. Well, I think what we learned a lot from watching that uh, Get Back documentary of the Beatles and. You know, yeah. that, that explained a lot. <laughs> and you could see that coming through no matter who was in the studio with them and what the song they were working on and whose it was. I, and especially Ringo as a superstar, as far as drumming. Just, That's what it's like to be in a band. I mean, it, it is the Beatles, but we used to talk about that because we always had video cassettes yeah. of that movie. And it's, you know, what it feels like to be in a band and whether you're, whether it's millions of dollars or hundreds of dollars that you get stressed about or whether it's John Lennon singing or Sid Griffin, who stepped on whose part or whose dopey girlfriend was at the studio. But you also, again, they love each other and probably accept each other more than people realize. Yeah, yeah. But the outside issues start to weigh on you, attorneys, managers. It's not even their fault necessarily. And watching young boys turn into young men, they just changed. Yep, yep, it's yep. It's instructional, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys are hitting the road in May. You're going to UK and Europe and whatever. What's how well, that'll be the That'll be the first leg of, of, of what I hope is about a three-leg tour. Uh, we can do about three weeks, and then there's responsibilities of various to sure. bring us home. And I think three weeks is about right. You go out for much longer than that. People start arguing over who spilled the diet soda pop and stuff. Just <laughs> superficial stuff becomes really important. <laughs> and uh, But I, 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 for one, really look forward to it. Uh, the last few shows we played, we did this Outlaw Country Cruise, Sirius XM Cruise that Greg alluded to. And then we did three or four shows in the state of California. 
and uh, I had a blast. I mean, yeah. I I, uh, I heard a new dynamicism in the band. I, I uh, Stephen did this one great moment where uh, we were playing really well at Pappy and Harriet's, and he's holding a Telecaster. I thought, oh, you know, another Telecaster, brilliant Telecaster solo from the Thinking Man's Clarence White, Steve McCarthy, and he twisted the knob and I think put the pick in his mouth, went over to his lap steel, which was set up, hit the volume really quickly and played the solo on the lap steel, which not only was a wonderful surprise and a beautiful musical moment, because obviously a lap steel with the tension of the tuning and the tenor of the strings is very different from an electric guitar. Yeah. Uh, it visually looked great and he was winging it, improvising it. And I thought, God, there's really a lot of life. Yeah. left in songwriters as a live ensemble a lot of surprises left yeah. and i i think that was a real uh there were other moments that's my favorite right, right, I think, right. Yeah, there's cool. there's life in the old air cool so there, is there a chance yeah. of one of your three legs coming in down to the southern hemisphere anytime soon do you think uh, let me let me answer that really quickly greg i'm sorry to interrupt i have uh great hopes uh we have a, a japanese a real japanese but when i say the word real i mean real like I, not someone's uncle leo who's <laughs> wanting a party we have a real japanese promoter who i'm talking to these days we have the great david williams in australia talking about australia and we yeah. i have all people our mild buddy i guess greg knows him well lincoln myerson used to run mccabe's and he's now in new zealand with huh. uh, my, my friend Mick Crouch of Rhino Records, and the two of them are in informal talks with me to get us to play uh, New Zealand. And I'm 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 going to move the heaven and the earth to get down there, and you know it'd be a legitimate thing. It's not coming to play a uh, Andy's Kebab Hut, but whatever right. the the legitimate indie gigs are in New Zealand, I'm working on it now. And we have an amazing, believe it or not, we have an amazing Americana scene here. So. No, I, I know about it. So, you know, it makes it all makes sense. <laughs> Greg, we, uh, we're going to wrap things up. Greg, I'll let you close things out, please. Well, we we essentially at our core, we're always a live rock and roll band. That's how we started. We started in the garage. We still play in the garage. <laughs> uh, and we learned how to make records after many years. And they're very different pursuits. One is they lift up each other, but they're different. So after 40 odd years, not in a row, but that's from when we started over 40 years ago to still enjoy being together and still make, we think exciting music that people can relate to. What a gift. So yeah. our goal is to stay together it's an experiment now let's see how long this thing goes yep, yep. And, you know so far the only way out of this band has been in a pine box bless tom's heart so we'll just keep going until something else happens and we're, i think the word the g word grateful really very good all right thank you guys for spending so much time with me good luck with the record